Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable. Our affordable $199 GRE course includes everything you need to ace your GRE. Full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Uh, now, let's get started. Today, we've got Charles Biblios on the show again. Charles, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Charles. I run a small tutoring company called GMAT Ninja, which maybe isn't the best name for it since we also do GRE, Executive Assessment, and LSAT. Um, and I've actually been teaching GRE since uh, 2000 or 2001. I started doing GRE and then added GMAT soon after that. And uh, I've got about seven tutors now. And all we really do is just one-on-one uh, tutoring for people that are, are struggling and aren't really sure why. Yeah, great. Well, today we're going to talk about GRE and its role in admissions, particularly with MBAs, right? So I think it, when we were talking before the call, uh, you had a little bit of backstory around sort of like how how people responded to the GMAT scores and then the arms race that evolved out of that and then kind of where the GRE sits in that universe today. So I thought that was really interesting if you wanted to kind of kick it off. Yeah. So back in the day, the GMAT was the only game in town if you want to apply for an MBA, whether it was an elite MBA or not so elite MBA. Um, and and really, I my fun, fundamental belief kind of watching watching our students take these tests over the years, you know, 20 plus years now, watching them go through admissions. And I'm really convinced that human beings, no matter what they might say in admissions offices, just respond to round numbers. That's human nature. So mm-hmm. when we think about the GMAT and it's on a scale from 200 to 800 for your composite score, 500 is average, 800 is perfect. And what I've, what I've seen for decades now is this psychology of, yeah, okay, well, there's two other round numbers between 500 and 800. 600 must be your dividing line between okay and good. 700 must be your dividing line between good and great. So what we saw historically was, okay, when, a, when an applicant got above a 700 or, a, or even exactly a 700, checks the box, their admissions decisions, even at the top, top MBA programs, were going to be based on everything else at that point. You get a 700, check the box. That was the conventional wisdom. Absolutely what we saw for a very, very long time in, in MBA admissions. Then you kind of fast forward to about 10 to 15 years ago, and the rankings started to be a really, really big deal in MBA admissions. They were there before that, but they, they became an obsession, I'd say, about 10 to 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And what you started to see was that because GMAT, average GMAT scores were part of these rankings that you saw schools start to game the averages and start to push students, accept students with higher scores, even if they weren't the best candidates, started playing that game and it became a little bit of an arms race. And in the last few years, you've had some of the top programs with GRE averages in the mid 730s, which is an obscenely high score. That is a really, really tough score for most people to get. Mm -hmm. So around the same time that you had this, this arms race happen with GMAT scores, Along comes the GRE, and they make a big push to be accepted by MBA programs. So that was about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And what I find really interesting is, is around that time, the GRE had rescaled. So now the GRE, as probably everybody listening knows, is on a scale from 130 to 170 for each section. So 150 is average, roughly. 170 is perfect. Now there's only one number that divides good from great. That's 160. Mm-hmm. So at the time, 12, 13 years ago, my conjecture was, okay, so as schools start to accept the GRE, what I think we're going to see is that if you can cross 160, for the most part, schools are going to say, yeah, all right, you check the box. We don't understand really the difference between 161 and 163. What do those two points tell us about 
this applicant and how they're going to thrive in an MBA program, we don't know. Right. Yeah, if it's above 160, we've checked a box here. So as we started getting data on it three or four years ago, schools started releasing more data on average GRE scores. And what we started to see out of the top, you know, 15 or 20 programs in the country is almost exactly that with a few exceptions. Yet all these programs in the top 10 or 15 or 20, their averages on quant, averages on verbal on the GRE were right around that 160 mark. And more recently, I had a conversation with the director of admissions at um, University of Michigan, uh, the Ross School of Business. And I, I brought this up in the context of a broader panel discussion and said, yeah, what, what we typically tell our applicants who are trying to decide between the GMAT and GRE is if you're really struggling to get that GMAT score that's competitive at the school you're applying to, you might have an easier time getting to that 160 mark on both sections of the GRE. 160, 160 on the GRE is much easier to get than 730 on the GMAT. Right. So if that's the case for you, if you can crack that 160 mark, you've reached that psychological threshold. And you might have a shot, depending on the rest of your profile, for schools to say, yeah, that checks the box and we're going to move on to other things. And I said that in the presence of the admissions director at Ross. And she said, you know, I've never thought of it that way, but our averages are right around 160 for both section. And I think you're right. We're doing that subconsciously and we don't even know it, which I thought right. was fascinating. Well, I think there's a couple of things to unpack. I mean, first is that I definitely agree with you. I've I've very much seen like the the round numbers thing uh, in, in my experience, I, um, I went to a boarding school that for high school that had like really robust, like data on college admissions. They had like every student, whether it was on like a chart on one axis was the, um, was the GPA in the school and the other axis was the SAT score. And then, uh, whether they were waitlisted, admitted or, or rejected, um, as like colored, different colored dots. And they just gave you this little chart. And every single, every single college, you just look and you can see the cutoffs in the data. Like you just, you can just see it right there. And it was, again, it was, it, the cutoff was never like, you know, a, a 3.76 GPA, right? It was like a 3.7 or a 3.6 or a 3.5. And so it, it, the reaching the round number thresholds were really important for that. And also having that data set made it so that it was really easy to figure out what schools you're going to get into. <laughs> Because usually you can't change your GPA by that point. And schools will tell you, admissions people will tell you at any level, undergraduate, graduate, doesn't matter. They're going to say until they're blue in the face, we don't use cutoffs. We don't use strict thresholds. And and I believe them. I, I think very, very few schools, there are some schools that do that, but they're they're usually transparent about it when they do. It's not that they're, they're deliberately oversimplifying and saying, we're not going to let you in if you have 169 on the GRE quant. It's just psychological in a lot of cases that, that mm -hmm. that's where it happens. Are you going to see outliers? You bet. We've seen people with, you know, scores in the low 150s on both GRE sections get into, you know, top five business schools, but they're outliers for a reason. They're amazing applicants. You know, we've seen candidates with 160, 160 get rejected. So there's always outliers, but mm -hmm. I think those, those round numbers, those thresholds, whether we mean to or not, whether we're conscious of it or not, we just respond to them. And we're going to have a different judgment, at least in the back of our head, of a candidate with a pair of 159s than if that same exact candidate had a pair of 160s. It's just human nature. Right. Yeah, it's a really it's a really interesting thing. I mean, it's the same reason why people make end things in like 99 cents. Because even though you know 299 is basically $3, you literally, like your purchase behavior changes dramatically at the threshold between 299 and 3 right? Um, that's like a marketing thing that you learn in class. Um, I think it's also the other part of this that I wanted to unpack a little bit is that 
is something that we talk about in some of our blog posts and on our website is that the, the threshold for checking the box with your GRE score for MBA programs seems to be quite a bit easier than the GMAT equivalent. Um, what we found is in the top, essentially it was like the top 15 business schools, the difference in percentile was 8%, which is pretty massive. And so just to explain that to the viewers really quick, or listeners, not viewers, um, a percentile is, you know, essentially if you're 90th percentile, that means you're in, you are at 90% out of 100 people for like how good you are. Like you're in the top 10% or you could say you're better than 90% of people. So to, a difference of 8% could for like, I think it was Harvard Business School, the difference was basically, you know, 97 versus like 94, right? Um, that was a smaller difference, but it was, you know, instead of having to be in the top 3% of app, of GRE, of GMAT scores, excuse me, you have to be in the top 7% of GRE scores. That's giving you twice as much room, especially when you consider the fact that the closer you get to the top, the harder it gets because you're, you're competing against basically closer and closer to perfect scores at that point. And I think that difference is even greater than those percentile numbers suggest, Tyler. And mm. the reason is that you, you have fundamentally different testing pools. So mm. if so, an overwhelming majority of, of graduate, so non-specific graduate programs, right? So unless you're applying for a medical degree or a law degree um, or a business degree, you know, you can, you can you take the GRE, much, much bigger applicant pool, or much, much bigger testing pool. And there are tons of people out there that have no reason, for example, uh, you know, if you're you're applying for an MFA in creative writing, nobody cares about your quant score. You're not going to study that hard for it. The university might require you to take the GRE, but only one section really matters for you. Right. So you end up with this phenomenon on the GRE where even at the at the same percentile, so 90th percentile on quant on the GMAT versus 90th percentile on quant on the GRE, it is much, much easier to hit the 90th percentile on quant on the GRE because it's a different test to begin with, but it's also right. a very, very different testing pool. So when we look at those averages for GMAT at Harvard, where it's the you know, Harvard Business School, where it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 730, that's a tough score to get. You've got to be really, really good, both quant and verbal, no careless errors, great time management. You got to be a pretty fast reader to get 160s. And I think Harvard's averages are a little higher than that. It might be like 164 160s. or something like that. Yeah. But still, it's not like that, 167. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's something like 164 quant, maybe a point or two lower on verbal last time I checked. And honestly, that's an easier score to get than a 730 on the GMAT. And as you start to kind of work your way down the food chain a little bit, you get to a place like University of Michigan Ross, which is one of my favorite business schools. Everyone I know who went there loved it. Um, think they do an amazing job there. And yeah, their averages are right around 160, 160, but their GMAT averages are low 700s. And for most people crossing that 160 barrier on both sections on the GRE is so much easier than hitting a 700 or a 720 on the GMAT. Mm -hmm. And what we typically say to MBA applicants is, look, if you can crush the GMAT and go get a 740, 760, go do it by all means, because th there is still this mystique around the GMAT. And I think that when business schools see those mid 700s GMAT scores, they love it. It improves your odds without a doubt. You're helping their rankings out. GRE isn't part or isn't a major part of very many GRE, of very many MBA ranking systems yet. So if you can't get to that absolutely elite GMAT score, you're probably going to save yourself a lot more, a lot of time and pain by doing the GRE instead. 
Right. Yeah. And, and, and sort of that's like the last piece of this puzzle is, is the ranking scores, right? Which the schools are trying their best to game. And if you're participating in the GMAT, you are part of the game, right? So that can work to your advantage if you're better at it than most people. But if you're like, you know, the majority of the world and you're not, then it actually plays it to your disadvantage. Because they're essentially incentivized to behave a certain way regarding GMAT scores, and that incentive doesn't exist for GRE scores. Right, exactly. And what you've seen that I, I think is wonderful, I think it's a wonderful trend in admissions, and, and I realize that it's bad for a big chunk of my own business, and that, that's fine. I think it's the right thing for schools to do, to say, look, we're interested in finding out, are you prepared academically to handle graduate-level business courses? Hmm. And once upon a time, it was you had to take the GMAT, and that was the only way to show your readiness that and your GPA. Um, and now business schools are saying, we'll take the GRE, we'll take the executive assessment, which is basically just a shortened version of the GMAT that's a little bit less scary. It's just as hard. It's just shorter. It's 90 minutes long. You can you can apply to most schools with an LSAT score, an SAT score. Some of them will take the MCAT. Plenty of schools, especially once you get out of the top 15 MBA programs, will go test optional to give you a waiver or let you apply without it. Now, if you have a weak academic background, that test score can, you need that test score. You need to show that your quant skills, or your verbal skills are strong enough. Hmm. But look, if you got a three nine from an amazing school and a tough major, and you're interested in applying to a school that, that allows you to apply without the test, maybe you can skip the pain. And I think it's a wonderful trend that schools are willing to look at you more holistically now. Um, and they just give you all sorts of different options. And I, and I think it's a great thing. And one of the other things that I've been hearing from admissions directors in the MBA world is that their internal data is saying that those GRE applicants who might have on average 160 on both section, which I can sit here and say as a test prep guy, easier to get 160s on both GRE sections than to get a 700 or a 730 on the GMAT. Mm -hmm. And what the data is starting to show from the internal data from schools is that yeah, those students that went in and crushed the GMAT aren't necessarily doing better in business school than the GRE applicants. Right. It doesn't it's, seem to matter, which is fascinating. I mean, it turns out that, uh, you know, standardized test scores don't directly correlate to academic performance, <laughs> which is always a fun topic. Maybe a, maybe a deeper one for another episode. Yeah, the correlation is there. It's, it's pretty weak. And as soon as you kind of get into this difference between GMAT and GRE, there, it doesn't seem to matter which of those two tests you take. Like the, the correlation is weak when you just look at GMAT scores and how they correlate to your grade point average and your first year of an MBA program. But it doesn't seem to matter whether you take the GRE or the GMAT. And I, I, I'm not shocked by it at all. Mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating that we have this, you know, decades long fetish for the GMAT that was probably a little bit misplaced to begin with. And we probably should have been giving applicants a bigger variety of ways to get themselves into business school. Yeah, totally agree. Well, thanks. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable. You can check out our GRE course for free at achievable.me and use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout. And thank you, Charles from GMAT Ninja, for joining us today.